fourth watch starts now. Everybody, you're listening to the Fourth Watch with Justin Fall on the Fourth Watch Radio Network. I hope everyone's having a blessed week. Tonight's going to be an extremely important discussion regarding the Jesuit consecration of the New World religion in Jerusalem and their open takeover of the various fronts of the religious and political arenas. Is Hillary Clinton being used as a carrier to place the Jesuit-controlled Tim Kaine into the White House? Are the Arches of Triumph a symbol of Roman Jesuit takeover? Is Jerusalem being staged for the one world religion and abomination of desolation? Tonight we dig into these current events and see for ourselves just what exactly is going on. We've got a lot to cover, so let's go ahead and start the adventure. Submitted for the approval of the Fourth Watch Radio Network, I call this episode... Jesuit consecration, papal Jerusalem, arches of triumph, and Hillary's witchcraft. With Remnant Revolution co-hosts, Chad Riley and Kay Carswell. Well, it's officially Thursday, and that means it's officially time for the fourth watch. It is such a blessing to be back with you all, and we've got a great show on tap tonight. If you're a new listener, we're very grateful to have you tuning in, and we want to let you know that there's a brand new show posted every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard. Be sure to head on over to fourthwatchradio.com. That's F-O-U-R-T-H-W-A-T-C-H-R-A-D-I-O.com, fourthwatchradio.com. There you'll find show archives, links to our free mobile apps for Apple and Android devices, links to all of our websites, as well as a donate page that will show multiple ways you can help support the Fourth Watch Ministries. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes if that's your preferred method of listening. Now tonight's going to be a highly controversial discussion as we investigate another aspect of the Jesuit order, which is forcefully gaining their satanic momentum to unify the world under the Antichrist rule. Upon recording tonight's discussion, we lightly treaded upon one particular issue that is spreading widely on the internet. The issue we're talking about is dealing with Hillary Clinton's alleged hologram or her computer-generated speeches. After recording the discussion, we began digging deeper as a team, and I want to go ahead and break down a couple things before we get into the discussion with Chad and Kay. We have officially confirmed that Hillary Clinton was not giving a live speech in Greensboro, North Carolina. At multiple times during this speech, Hillary and her podium glitch out, while the background remains fully intact. And going further, around the 21-minute mark in the ABC News footage, Hillary and the podium completely disappear for an entire frame of video. There are plenty of other weird occurrences that show up in this particular video, and we have the unaltered original stream from ABC 15 News in Arizona. As Hillary is walking up to the podium... There are people in the crowd holding up their phones and tablets, filming her. But interestingly, not only is Hillary not showing up in their phone screens, but the backdrop that the phones are all filming is not the actual backdrop in the main video, which was broadcasted by the news. But what does this all mean? What is the point of this? If Hillary is truly sick, 
They've got to keep her public appearances up for the sake of the staged election that's upon us. They have to sell the idea that she is healthy and fit to finish out the course of election. They fed us various stories about her health being on the rocks. But interestingly, she's making these appearances that show what seems to be a healthy Hillary, and even sometimes looking younger than usual. CGI technology, as well as Bluebeam holographic technology, is so far advanced right now that with a budget, you can produce holograms that can even be touched and felt. Just Google this. You're going to see multiple mainstream sources covering this topic, including Newsweek. But if they can keep appearances to finish the course of election, Hillary could be placed into office as a carrier to set up Tim Kaine as the next unelected president. We're definitely going to get into this deeper in tonight's discussion. I just wanted to break down the scenario surrounding the hologram claims or the CGI claims because I had to really vet this out with heavy scrutiny before broadcasting it. At the time of the original recording with Chad and Kay, I had not had the time to validate the information. But now we can say without a shadow of a doubt that there is in fact a computer-generated Hillary Clinton that's showing up and speaking at places, giving the appearance of a healthy, vibrant candidate. I just needed to interject this information before going any further. Now, with that said, we are going to go ahead and go to the line with my good friends, Kay Carswell and Chad Riley. Hey, guys, welcome back to The Fourth Watch. How are you tonight? Doing good. Hey, Justin. Hey, Chad. I'm doing good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I'm hanging in there. It's uh, it's an interesting time right now because as Christians, we're seeing a lot of loose change. We're seeing the scenario of a frog being put into a pot of water and then slowly turning the boil up so that the frog doesn't jump out. And that's really what's going on right now in our culture. We're seeing so many different things approaching uh, the mainstream media. And it's hard to really look at these things without going into Bible prophecy. And furthermore, it's hard to look into some of these things without understanding the root. See, many people are going to see these things and they're going to get confused. But as Christians, we want to find the root of the problem. And obviously we know Satan is the root. But as we're going to talk about tonight, we're going to be getting into the idea that the Jesuit order is behind so much of what is going on today. You don't have to look very far to realize that the Jesuit agenda is the Illuminati agenda. The Jesuits are a secret order. you know. And I know we don't have time to go into all the great details here. Uh, people, I recommend that you go back and listen to the show that I did with Gary Wayne, getting into the Jesuits. Uh, also did one with BDK, breaking down how the Jesuits were behind the creation of Islam, how the Jesuits have always had their hand over Jerusalem. These are very important aspects we cannot touch on tonight in detail because we've got too much to talk about. But we're in a situation now where the Jesuits have fully taken over the Vatican. We're seeing the full Jesuit takeover in the political and religious arenas. So I think it's important that we outline some of the things tonight in detail, as much detail as we can. And listen, some people are going to hear tonight's show and they're going to get upset that we didn't go deeper. Well, that's your job, ladies and gentlemen. Take what we talk about, research it. You do your diligence. All we can do is go as far as we can take you in an episode. So I want to give that quick disclaimer here because there's so much that we won't be able to cover tonight. But let's go ahead and start off with this Arch of Triumph. I think this is so important to talk about we, we did a show a while back talking about the Temple of Baal being erected in London and here in America, and it got canceled. And everybody started raising their hands in the air and saying, hallelujah, the Temple of Baal is not coming to America. And then others said, you guys are crazy for putting out bad information. But what did I say? Uh, and I'm sure you guys have said it too. We said, this is not over. 
just wait, give it some time. They're letting, they're letting the water cool down a little bit. And so now they're, they've erected this arch of triumph in New York and in London. Now, it's important that we understand what the Arch of Triumph is because many people are going to say, well, it's not the Arch of Bell. Well, it's not. Technically, it's not. But what we find out is that it connected. Now, just just hear this out, folks. You're going to have to look into this for yourself. You don't have to look very far. But this Arch of Triumph, it actually connected the main street of the colonnade to the Temple of Bell. You can you can validate this historically. This is not my opinion. So it is still connected to the Temple of Bell. But the thing that we need to understand is that it was a Roman, this is important, it was a Roman iconistic monument. And it basically, it, it commemorated the Roman victories over the Parthians. The Romans. And so putting this thing up in America and in London, it's showing the Roman triumph. Why would we need something in our countries to commemorate the Romans' triumph over anything? I think that just takes us right back to the old saying, all roads lead to Rome. I think it's pretty accurate. I mean, the the Roman Empire has permeated throughout history into every country in one way or another. And we see sites of Rome every day in our own country. I mean, especially with the Catholic Church. They have so much power that they are still dictating to people what to do. So I believe that all roads do lead to Rome. Constantine as well. That was the thing is that, that mm-hmm. was the beginning of the hijacking of Christianity was when Constantine came into power. That's right. Basically gave a whole new facade, a new uh, facelift to the paganistic Roman church. Oh yeah. And that's the thing is they basically flipped it all upside down. Now, I'm going to make a statement. You guys may or may not agree with me, but the idea that the Roman church has not always been 100% in agreement with the Jesuits or their agenda. But we also, we've seen the Catholic church go through all these different changes and phases and seasons. Their doctrine gets changed. Their stances get changed. Their leadership gets changed. And people just accept it. Most Catholics just go right along with it because, well, they're Catholic, so they're going to go with whatever the Pope says. I know this doesn't describe everyone who claims to be a Catholic, but the majority does rule. You talk to some of these Catholics down in South America or some of these predominant pagan Catholic nations, they're going to pretty much side with whatever the Pope says because they believe that when the Pope makes a statement, he is speaking literally the words of God. Whatever whatever he says, it is basically inspired text. And so that's what we have to focus on here. We have to understand that the Catholic Church has changed a lot, but now at this point in time, The Vatican, which does control the Catholic Church, the Vatican is Jesuit-controlled. Oh, beyond a doubt that they are completely controlled by the Jesuits. I mean, that's—you just look at everything that comes out of this man's mouth. I mean, you know, he talks about gay marriage and everything else. It's like everything that he says is—I mean, it's so blasphemous. I don't even know where to begin, to be honest with you. This pope, if you really look at him, he has turned what Catholicism has been— even on its head, because he is changing even what the Catholic faith believed in about abortions, gay marriage. He's brought up the fact that, well, not the fact, but he has brought up about aliens existing. And with him being a Jesuit and knowing what the oath of the Jesuits is, 
it all fits into that plan to take control. Well, just for the sake of the argument, they did, they've been working with this Lucifer telescope longer than this guy's been around. And I think we need to be fair and say that. But this particular pope, Francis, he has come out and he said some of the most boldest claims in the world that I've ever heard about extraterrestrial life, about the gospel, totally flipping uh, conservative Catholic beliefs upside down. And I want to be fair to the Catholics out there who are listening. I believe Catholicism is pagan at its core. I believe that you can take it back to any point in history and it's always been pagan. There's always been elements of witchcraft in the Catholic Church. And like you guys said, Constantine comes into play. He, he brings a little facelift. He quote-unquote Christianizes the Catholic faith, even though Christianizing something doesn't make it godly. And so they Christianize it. They put new names on, on the idols. And they still have their secret orders of witchcraft taking place inside the earth underneath these major cathedrals worldwide. And so we know that the Catholic Church, even though on the surface they do kind of parade around as a strange uh, mixture of Christianity and paganism, we know that there's witchcraft going on at the deepest levels. We've seen this. We've, we've read interviews. We, we've heard eyewitness accounts from bishops, archbishops, people who are high up in the Vatican. We know what they're doing. But I just want to make this, this quick point, and we're going to move on. This Arch of Triumph, and if you guys have anything else you want to add, well, I'll give you an option here in a second. But the Arch of Triumph, literally, it declares and commemorates Roman triumph and Roman victory. I don't think that's a coincidence with everything that's going on. Fact is, the time for it wasn't right previously. They needed to give it a little bit more time. I think the timing of this is extremely important because Reset 2016, that was a major move for the Catholics. That was a major move for the Vatican, the Jesuits, all these groups that were part of the Jesuit order, uh, even on the lower levels. Most of these people don't realize they're being controlled by the Jesuits, but they are. And Reset 2016, that was so big, or what some people call Together 2016, that was a huge move to get a lot of evangelicals and evangelical uh, artists to come together with the Pope, with Pope Francis, with the Jesuit. And so even though that got burned out halfway through, it still happened. And then we have the Pope currently over in Jerusalem. As we speak, as you're hearing this, he's coming to the end of his Jerusalem pilgrimage. We're going to get into that here in just a little bit. And that's a big deal because they are consecrating a new one world religion while he's over there. And this is being documented by Israeli newspapers. Uh -huh. th th this is not just Justin getting on a soapbox here. This is we're going to get into the facts about what he's doing in Jerusalem here in just a little bit. The timing of all this is unbelievable. We are not dealing with coincidence. This is a Roman arch of triumph. It's already gone up in the UK. It's gone up here in the US. And who knows where else they're going to put these things. But it is a symbol of the Romans triumphing over others. And right now, who represents the Romans? None but the Jesuits. The arch was originally built in Palmyra. And when you look at the map with the Jerusalem wall and where this arch sat at, the outline where this wall is, it looks like a serpent's head. It's very, very blatant to see this. There's no mistaking it. I've not seen that. I'm going to have to look into that. It's very interesting. And uh, at this point, there are no coincidences, at least not in my standpoint. I don't think there's coincidences when we're dealing with architecture, structures, and occult symbology. I don't think so either. And I'm going to send this to you. But if people get in and, and do you know a little bit of homework, a little bit of research, they will see this also. 
Well, I think there's quite a bit of digging people can still do on this. And the fact that this is just now making its official um, commemoration, I think there's going to be more that we're going to be able to talk about in the future on this. More things will be coming out. I just wanted to bring up the point that I did send you that video where they were putting up the arch in London. And in that video, they were actually, you could hear chanting going on while they were putting it together. I mean, like a cult chanting. I mean, it's clearly a ritual. Oh, yeah. When we hear the word commemorate or commemoration, a lot of times when you're dealing with uh, occult groups or secret societies, a commemoration ceremony is really, you might as well just call it a ritual. So that does not surprise me in the least. We're telling you it's not the Arch of Baal, but it was a Roman piece of architecture that commemorated their victory over the Parthians. And it did connect the historical colonnade to the Temple of Bell. So it still has connections to the Temple of Bell. You cannot deny this regardless how you slice it up. We will have more coverage on this as we move forward into the future. More things will come out. Now, I want, I want us to move into the idea of our next president will not be elected. And this is all going to tie back into the Jesuit consecration. Many people are posting pictures all over the internet. There's a new television series coming out called Designated Survivor. Everywhere you see this thing advertised, you see this catchphrase, like the theme of the show. It says, our next president will not be elected. It's on billboards. It's on buses, on trains. It showed up. People saw the advertisements at the the Republican National Convention, giant banners at Times Square, New York, telling people our next president will not be elected. Tell us a little bit about Designated Survivor, Chad. Well, basically, the uh, TV show is actually based on a real-life scenario that uh, each president has a designated survivor selected so that when he does the the, uh, presidential uh, State of the Union address and his panel is there with him, along with all the Congress and Senate, if anything were to happen where they were all wiped out, that designated survivor would become the president immediately. And this is being portrayed in a, in a television show starring Kiefer Sutherland. Again, this is just ironic that we're being we're being conditioned here or what we like to say telegraphed. The Illuminati will telegraph their punches. They're going to put these little tidbits out in the media, in the movies, in the TV shows just to condition us and pre-program us for the things that they're doing in the background. And we've got this election coming up. So not a coincidence. You know, we've been saying for some time, I know, Chad, you and I, we did the show on the staged elections we don't believe that the next president was going to be elected anyway. We, we've, we've agreed on this. We also held the view that Donald Trump was set up by the Clintons to come into play literally as a little pawn, stir up a bunch of mud in the water, and then basically back out last minute. Now, we don't know how that's going to play out. We don't know if he's going to back out. We don't know for sure, but that's still what I believe. Um, how does this tie into the Jesuits? How does this tie into the Jesuits? This is the question we need to look at here. I mean, it's no surprise that Hillary Clinton is getting up in age. We know she's 68, but she's having some really strange health issues, even for her age. I mean, she's coughing up these weird um, green blobs in her water glasses. She's spazzing out. We see what many people are calling uh, demonic possession. Others are calling them seizures. It's really hard to grasp what's going on with Hillary Clinton. We don't know what's going on with her health. But for somebody who has all these weird health issues going on right now, she's still running. And she's got a vice president. And we're already being conditioned that the next president who's going to take power is not going to be elected, but it's going to be somebody who's basically placed into that role. And think about it. If a vice president is placed into the role of presidency, 
People could argue that he was elected, but technically he's placed into the role of president. He's placed into the role of president. I mean, we saw this with John F. Kennedy and Lyndon B. Johnson. It's, it's not anything new. He's placed in, he's sworn in, and they are designated for that role in the event that the president can't perform. So I'm stretching a little bit here with what a designated survivor is, according to the show, but I think it's pertinent. Now, tell us about this Vice President Kane. He's actually trained by the Jesuits. Uh, he is very heavily aligned with the Jesuits. And the thing is, is that if he, they, we already know that they basically staged a coup and that uh, he was uh, the current Catholic Pope was actually put in office under a coup. So this is basically what they are doing with Tim Kaine, is they are setting him up to take over so that if something happens to Hillary, which more than likely we know probably will because of all the health issues that she's been having, he will assume the office. And then we'll, we'll have a Jesuit president and a Jesuit pope. Now, just for the sake of the argument, as we've said, he's not an actual Jesuit, but he's been Jesuit trained. I think this is very important because people like to put words in our mouths as soon as we say something like this, just like with the Temple of Baal, it's not the Temple of Baal, it's the Arch of Triumph, but it's connected. So this guy is a major pawn of the Jesuit order. He's been trained by the Jesuit order. If we had time, we could do a whole show breaking down his Jesuit connections. This is this is nothing new. So Vice President Kane, or possibly soon to be Vice President Kane, if he were to be designated to be the president because Hillary's health or anything could happen to Hillary... We now have a Jesuit leading president and a Jesuit leading pope all at the same time taking place simultaneously between Rome, the United States and Jesuit control over Jerusalem, which we're going to get into here shortly. Checking into Cain and just the name Cain really rang out and I just added it up. Timothy Cain is the number 11, which is the high number in uh, Satanism and the Illuminati. So he fits into that category. Uh, one of the things that I also found when looking through different articles on Cain, the Los Angeles Times, they reported, and this was last Monday after Hillary had taken ill at the 911 uh, memorial, that he was introduced in Dayton by former government or former Democratic governor Ted Strickland as ready to become the president in introducing Tim Kaine. So that's not something that would normally be said. What about the whole situation in the news? I mean, many people saw the live news broadcast where they were reporting on Hillary Clinton's death. Yes, I, I would not be surprised if she has already passed away. I've seen photographs of her um, double that they will sometimes use. And if you look at Hillary at different times, her eyes are so sunken in. She has these huge bags under her eyes and she has a glazed look to her. But yet she can appear just hours later somewhere. Her eyes are bright. Her skin is perfect. Her eyes are not sunken. There's definitely something that is going on there. And Chad and I had even talked. Remember Cochia, where they put up Tupac 
in the uh, hologram form. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was really creepy. Yes, and no one would have known that was a hologram unless they were told. Well, who's to say that they're not doing that with Hillary? Some of these events where she's been speaking at, uh, people have actually caught that if you look at the phones that people are holding up or they are recording, it does not match up with the background. Yeah, she's not there. Obviously, Project Bluebeam could be playing in, into this whole scheme. Uh, you know, we, we, we've broken down Project Bluebeam in the past. The technology is unbelievable. Hologram technology is the technology of the future. They're talking about video games and everything going full hologram because it gives you a realistic experience, almost absolutely spotless from reality. Yeah, there was actually an article not too long ago that said that they've got uh, holograms now that you can actually touch. I've not seen that, but at this point, man, I mean, I'm not shocked anymore. But let's, let's just say this for the sake of the listeners, just, just for the edification of everyone listening. I don't, I'm not saying that Hillary Clinton is dead. Uh, matter of fact, there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there surrounding this. And, and I have to say it's a theory because I don't think we can prove any of these at this point. But a lot of conspiracy theories are saying that Hillary Clinton is really dead and they've got a genetically modified clone of her or multiple clones of her um, kind of bobbing around. Now, I, I don't I can't say that's true. Um, I'm, I'm kind of slow to jump on some of the conspiracy theory trains uh, when they first come out. I've got to research before I can say something. But I want to say this about Clinton. The fact that they said that they're reporting on her death. I mean, and, and you know, they're going to probably come back and say, well, it's a slip of the tongue or, or whatever. But regardless, I think that it was put in the teleprompter for a reason. And I think it was kind of telegraphing their punches to let us know that Hillary is going to die. I mean, granted, we know everyone's going to die, but I think it was a timely slip intentionally put into the teleprompter to let us know that Hillary is going to die. And the designated vice president, the Jesuit trained Kane is going to be taking over and put into place as the Jesuit controlled president of the United States. So I'm not ready to say that she's dead or that she's got a double but we look into history and almost all the A-list celebrity uh, politicians have body doubles for their safety. It's for their safety and their security. And for the same reason that they have stuntmen for a lot of the famous actors, it's for their safety and their security. They've got, man, I have seen like Harrison Ford stuntman, Arnold Schwarzenegger's. I've seen some crazy stunt doubles that look almost passingly enough like the person to be the person. But you get into genetically modified technology, transgenics, and I believe that it's possible, heck, even plastic surgery. If you pay somebody enough money, they will go under the under the gun and I'm sorry, they'll go under the knife and they'll take on the looks of whoever they want to look like. So I'm not ready to discount all that, but I just want to say that I don't think she's dead right now. But I think that they were letting us know they were preparing us that she's going to die in the, the term of her presidency. Do you remember the movie Total Recall? Not Total Recall, Running Man. Oh, yeah. Do you remember how they digitally put people in and changed things in that movie and how long ago that came out? Well, they've already got that technology right now. I know you guys have seen the video where they can take a live camera footage of a a politician or anybody and then the camera is set up on the person's face and whatever the person's facial expressions are or how his lips are moving or whatever stuff, if you look on the screen where the politician is, it's matching it perfectly. This technology is here. It's, 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 they've had it for a long time. Well, hey, take it one step further. What if they have a totally staged event where a politician is giving a speech, press release, whatever? They've got technology to 
have a couple actors, actresses in a studio and they, they run it through some algorithms and they now have a full arena filled with people and it's all digital. It's crowd multiplication. They've been doing this for years. They do this for movies, for music videos. And I would not put it past them that they would be using this to create artificial environments for these speeches. And so people think, oh, well, they've got all these people they're speaking to. They, there must be a real person they're speaking, but it could be a total staged event. And I know this is going to sound crazy, but I come from the world of video and film production. This is, they've been doing this before I was even in film school, way before. I've heard of that being done recently where they'll say, well, we're going to meet, you know, at such and such on the steps. We want it to look like it's, or to even place the place that they want to be at. You know, how you can get set the background up and with the green screen and make it look like you're wherever and that you have a whole crowd. It is so technologically advanced right now that even going back in the early 2000s, I forget the date of the movie, but Wag the Dog showed a girl carrying a bag and they were able to basically take the bag out and have her carrying something else in post-production. So you could have a president or one of these politicians holding a green bag or a green item, and then they replace that professionally with a baby or with anything. That's the technology. Now, look, I want to make a really quick, uh, I kind of want to get us off track for one second here. Just a couple things I want to mention about Hillary Clinton. And just because we're, we're exposing these things about Clinton does not mean we're endorsing Trump. I just want to make that so clear. You know, if, if, if ladies and gentlemen, if you want to endorse Trump, that's, that's up to you. You know, I can't tell you what to do. I can just tell you that we don't support Trump. We don't support Clinton. Matter of fact, there's no politician out there right now that I would endorse. Uh, I endorse Jesus. Amen. And none of them fall in line with scripture the way that I would expect a godly leader to do. So anyway, I want to make this really quick point about Clinton. This is so fascinating. Uh, many of you probably know who Larry Nichols is. He's a former Clinton aide. And um, he's literally been with the Clintons from the beginning. The guy's gone on record, done, done so many interviews. We've learned so much about the Clinton family just from this guy. But I want to mention something very peculiar here. Hillary Clinton is on record as being part of a witch coven. And Bill Clinton and Larry Nichols have had these, these discussions. Hillary will go out on a semi-regular basis, sometimes more regular, on the weekend. She'll take a weekend trip and she'll go meet with a witchcraft coven and they perform satanic ritual rites in the woods. This is on record. They've tried to cover it up in the past, but it just keeps surfacing and keeps surfacing. And we know that Hillary Clinton also practices necromancy. We've seen the videos surrounding where Bill Clinton told people that Hillary talks to the dead. Yeah, Eleanor. Eleanor Roosevelt. I mean, these videos are out there. These are, this is not like people have edited these to get a weird statement. This is what they say. I mean, witchcraft is prevalent in our country, and the highest ranking politicians in our country practice witchcraft at different levels. Some type of witchcraft. Whether it's Illuminati witchcraft, whether it's Wicca, whether it's just various forms of Satanism, they're all doing it. Did you see the article where the uh, emails of Colin Powell came out and they were talking about one of the emails that he had posted said something about the Bohemian Grove will not uh, support Trump? If you just type in Bohemian Grove and Colin Powell and email, it'll come up. I mean, it's it basically saying that they do not want Trump in the, as president. But we know that a lot of legislature does get discussed at Bohemian Grove, and they practice different types of witchcraft there. So that's not a surprise. But the Hillary Clinton thing, I'm just going to hit this fast. We're going to move on. We don't have time to break this down too deep. But we know she's on record as practicing witchcraft with different covens. We know she's on record as practicing necromancy. 
We know uh, we have a, a, a lot of evidence points to the fact that she's an MK Ultra monarch slave, no doubt about it. Totally brainwashed, operating for the powers that be. But in June 6, 2016, Hillary announced that she had won the Democratic nomination by clinching the nomination for California. So she specifically let us know that California was important in her winning this nomination. Okay. June 6, 2016. That is 6 6 16. On the same day, there was a ritual taking place, and this was published. This, this was a press release put out by the Satanic Temple of Los Angeles. And they said, as part of a commemoration, remember we talked about commemorations earlier in the show, how it's a ritual? As part of a commemoration of 6616, Satanists have announced plans to perform an introductory Satanic ritual by using GPS technology to outline a pentagram around the city of Lancaster, according to a press release from the Temple of Satan, or the Satanic Temple. All on the same day. So Hillary basically says that she won the Democratic nomination by clinching the nomination for California, and it's 6616, and we have this pentagram satanic witchcraft ritual taking place in Lancaster. Kind of interesting that she gets this presidential nomination on a major satanic holiday, in their own words, in a state which not only is known for the perversion of witchcraft, but it's advertising witchcraft. So it's just really interesting, but I want to move this on to kind of the meat and potatoes. We're all getting back into this Jesuit consecration. We've already outlined the Jesuits triumphing with their Arch of Triumph in multiple locations. We've gotten into a Jesuit operated vice president to be designated to take over when Hillary Clinton dies or has a health issue. And now we're going to get into this idea of Jesuit Jerusalem. And this is going to be a contra this is controversial. I just want to go ahead and say we start talking Jerusalem and everybody perks up because we know Jerusalem is an end times hotspot. It's my belief that based on scripture, Jerusalem is going to be the capital in which the Antichrist and the false prophet basically set up shop. I believe we have biblical evidence for this. And we also believe that their forces are going to be Jesuit run. So we're going to be dealing with Jerusalem and a parallel to the Jesuit run Vatican. I've outlined this previously before getting into the whole uh, mystery Babylon, the end times Babylon scenario, which is a parallel of Jerusalem working under the powers of the Vatican. Again, Jesuits. Right now, September 4th through September 23rd, the Pope is over in Jerusalem, and he's working on a consecration of a new religion for the world. It's so important to understand that this is all going on at the same time. This is going on while the triumphant arches are being put up. This is all going on while we're being told the next president will not be elected. There's too much going on pointing back to the Jesuit takeover. But in their own words, they are consecrating a new religion for the world in Jerusalem. Yeah, I mean, what I've seen is that he is over there right now unifying Islam, Christianity, and Judaism. And, uh, you know, like you said, I mean, this, this is all total Bible prophecy right here. I mean, we've, we've known that this was coming for a long time. Some people are going to be a little skeptical about understanding what's going on here. They're probably going to try to explain it a different way. But I want to take everybody over to BreakingIsraelNews.com. This is a very solid source for Israeli news. 
And they explain that there's a new interfaith and spiritual gathering of Christians, Jews, and Muslims taking place in Jerusalem this September. I'm just going to read a quote here. It says, Amen. I guess it's called Amen. That's their, that's their catchphrase. Amen. A house of prayer for all believers. Part of the 2016 Makudashet Festival from September 4th through the 23rd is an initiative created by the Jerusalem Season of Culture. It's an annual festival in Jerusalem to bring together the world's three major faiths who, quote, share a belief in one God and a boundless love for Jerusalem. And they're saying that this will bring about a dialogue of study. They'll sing and they'll pray together in one temporary house of worship. And this is based on their press release. There's going to be artists, actors, musicians, media figures from all around the world that are going to be participating in this and that have been participating in this. I wanted to let everyone know who exactly they do have there. It's going to be representatives, as you said, from the different religions. Upon his arrival, they met with different religions, and that included the Holiness Bartholomew I, Ecumenical Patriarch of Constantinople, a Muslim representative, it says His Grace, Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury, the Syro-Orthodox Patriarch of Antioch, a Jewish representative, and the Supreme Head of Tendai Buddhist of Japan. And what has taken place is that the Pope gave his prayer, and that was in the lower basilica of St. Francis Church. And then they had an ecumenical prayer for the Christians in the presence of representatives from other religions. And it was followed by an appeal for peace. They had a moment of silence for memory uh, of the victims of war. And another appeal for peace, a document agreeing for the world peace. And they lit two candles And what I find very interesting is this fits exactly with Bible prophecy. We are told there will be a call for peace. There will be a one world religion. And this goes completely against what God says in the Bible. We are not supposed to have world peace until Christ's return. This goes right back to the theology that's being pushed right now, this this false kingdom theology, uh, this dominionism theology. And there's different versions of it. I know BDK and I have started a, a series on the kingdom theology, and this is all, it's lining right up. They're trying to create this peaceful situation, and we know according to scripture that there will be a short term of peace, but it is satanic peace. It is peace that will bring deception, and there will be a short term of peace brought in the Middle East before the abomination of desolation takes place. Yes. There will be broken covenants involved. The scripture is so clear about these things. So bringing all these religions together in Jerusalem, and again, Jerusalem is a big deal. We keep our eyes on Jerusalem because we believe scripture is clear. That is going to be the headquarters of this antichrist religion. Mm -hmm. Very clearly outlined in scripture, Jerusalem is a big deal. Doesn't matter what your views on Israel are. It doesn't matter this, that, or the other. The Bible's clear about Jerusalem. It is going to be an epicenter of end times events. And people are going to fall for this um, deceit, this deception, and they're going to get 
lulled into this false sense of security and peace. And just as soon as they do, that's when everything is going to break loose. And so many people, if they're not on their toes and vigilant, they are not going to be aware of what's down the road. Absolutely. I want to make a, a quick statement here about the dating. This this festival, this uh, Makudishet festival, the 2016 festival taking place, uh, actually finishing up right now in Jerusalem, the dates, their official dates of the festival are the 4th through the 23rd. Ironically, the Pope's itinerary that was published throughout the world was that he was going to be there between September 4th and 23rd. So his plans were to be there for the entire festival. That is not coincidental. But let's go back to the year 2000 for a second. I think this is going to be kind of a telltale situation. Back in 2000, Pope John Paul II took his quote-unquote pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And he went different places in Israel. But this was kind of a monumental pilgrimage for Pope John Paul II. And when he got there, he made a lot of interesting statements while he was there. I want to be, be clear. He, he really ruffled a lot of feathers, but he tried to, to pat them back down after he ruffled them. So he gets there, and then his procession, as he arrives, there's like this line of Palestinian flags of the Islamic State. This right off the bat caused a lot of upset with many Jewish people in Israel because they felt the way that he came into to the picture, the way that he arrived, gave more credit and credential to Catholics and to Islam than it did to the Jewish system. And they felt that they were kind of getting slapped around a little bit. They were being disrespected that he was giving more credence to Islam and Catholics than he was to the Jewish people. This was public. I mean, you could go back and read. There are still tons of articles from 2000 talking about the aftermath of this pope's pilgrimage. But I want to make the point. He gets he basically he shows up in Jerusalem. He comes into the picture. He apologizes for the Vatican's involvement with the Holocaust. And he takes a little piece of paper. He writes a prayer and he puts it in the wall. And what's interesting is that his prayer was actually published. If you're going to put a prayer in the wall in hopes that God's going to read it, which we know God doesn't work that way, you can't just, there's not a magical way of communicating with God. You can either communicate with him through his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, or you don't communicate with him at all. And I'll go even further to say that if somebody's of any religion, whether it's Islam, whether it's Judaism, whether it's Buddhism, whatever religion you're a part of, if you're praying to God, he's not going to hear you if you have not repented of those false religions and come into the saving grace of Jesus Christ, Yeshua, the one and only Messiah. So people can be praying all day long, but they're vain prayers if they're not praying through the mediator, Jesus Christ. And you can't be a practicing Jew or a practicing Muslim or a practicing anything and be a Christian. You've got to repent. You've got to turn away from false religion and come into Christ. He's the bridge. He's the way. He's the small door, the narrow path to get to the Father. So the Pope puts his little prayer in the wall, and then it gets published, which is kind of weird. If you're putting a prayer in the wall, you would think that it's private, but no, it's a it's a PR stunt, and it gets published. And he tried to make peace. He apologized for the Vatican involvement with the Holocaust, but his purpose, he held a mass ritual trying to bring together the Jews, the Muslims, and the quote-unquote Christians, which we know Catholics aren't Christians. But this was the headlines. He holds a mass in a sacred area of Jerusalem, and you had people of all three religions showing up under his leadership. But it wasn't time. It wasn't time because the Jesuit Pope had not stepped into order yet. Now we've got the Jesuit Pope. He's over there working his magic, bringing about 
this house of prayer for all believers, this interfaith and spiritual gathering. And even though they advertised it was between Christians, Jews, and Muslims, as Kay's already pointed out, there were people of other faiths that were part of this as well. If you go off the Father Malachi um, prophecy of the popes, uh, we know that uh, you know Petrus Romanus, the one that we currently have right now, is actually the last pope. So, like you said, I mean, it wasn't time for it at that at that moment in time. But you know, things are lining up perfectly right now. Now, what if this guy is not the last pope? Because I, I just I want to I want to kind of play the um, the devil's advocate for lack of a better term. You know, people thought that Ratzinger was going to be the last pope. Y'all remember this? But I mean, what if this pope is not the last pope? What does that tell us about the prophecy of the popes? Well, I mean, that, that's the thing is that if if he isn't the last pope, then they'll be saying that the prophecy of the popes is just a joke. Knowing that the Jesuits have infiltrated at the highest levels, it's like if this is not the final pope or this is not Peter the Roman, Petrus Romanus, if he is not that, then I would have to think that the next pope is going to be a Jesuit as well. Because it's kind of like when you give away certain rights to the powers that be, you're never going to get those rights back. And once a Jesuit has taken over and infiltrated at the highest level, I don't think they're ever going to be able to put in another pope who is not a Jesuit. That's just my, my thoughts. Yeah. Well, you know that uh, in Tom Horn's book, Petrus Romanus, he makes it very clear that um, that there is a high possibility that even this pope could have been placed by who he is and what he does to fit into St. Malachi's prophecies. So there's always that chance, but I do believe, as you do, that any future popes will be Jesuit so that at any time that they want to fulfill, they can go ahead and do it, but they don't realize that it's on God's time. It's not going to be theirs. And I don't put all my stock into any Catholic prophecies. Um, I don't think it's wrong to look over this information because, I mean, goodness, we get into all these strange prophecies of other religions about the coming savior of the world, uh, these Mm -hmm. prophecies of the gods of old returning, all these different prophecies. I think we can look at that. The the demonic realm has enough power to where they can portray these little these little prophecies. I I don't want to call them false prophecies, but they're not they're not prophecies of God. So they put out these little prophecies, and they've got the power to fulfill them Yes. only within the power that God has allotted them. And we know that the power that God has given them in the last days is extremely strong because they are going to be coming with lying signs and wonders, according to Scripture. So I'm not going to discount that there's little bits of truth potentially in the so-called prophecies. Um, but again, I don't put all my stock in those prophecies. But it, when you see that these prophecies could potentially uh, be parallels with what's going on in Bible prophecy— I think our ears should perk up a little bit. I think we ought to look into them just a little bit to investigate the realities. Right. But this whole idea of the consecration, this this whole it's been publicized that the Pope is his mission for going to Jerusalem is to consecrate this unity of the faiths. And I think that's kind of important. They've also speculated that he'll be doing some soft disclosure about these extraterrestrials as well. Um, I have not heard too much about what he said over there on that. I'm sure more will come out in the future. But it seems to be all lining up with this consecration of the one world religion. And what a better place to do it than Jerusalem, the very place where the abomination of desolation is set to take place. It's going to be extremely interesting. I think that the next two years 
are going to sum up a lot of the Bible prophecy. And I don't want to sound too crazy here, and I know most people are probably going to agree with me, but it all seems to be funneling through Jesuit hands. Most definitely. A lot of people have a hard time with that. You know, I don't want to lay a blanket statement over this group of people or that group of people, and and I rarely do anything like that. But the Jesuits is a little different. To put a blanket statement on a satanic order is different than to put a blanket statement upon a nation or a group of people. You know, you can't even put a blanket statement over every religious group of people because you have different sects showing up in different religions. But when you're dealing with the Jesuit order, it is finely defined. I mean, it's not a loosely defined organization. It is literally sharp and detailed and high definition of what they are, who they are, what their plans are, and their agenda. And as we stated earlier, their agenda is the Illuminati agenda. So this idea of the Jesuits being the hands that everything gets funneled through, the the string pullers in the last days, I think that's very appropriate and legitimate to say. I think a lot of people find it very hard to understand and believe because of the irony that you have someone in the Popple office that is supposed to represent all that is good and holy that actually has taken the credo of the Jesuit order and it stands for the total opposite of the believers in Christ. There is that push-pull total opposite that is sitting there. And that is, it is very hard to understand that and to fathom it. The major part of their oath is to infiltrate and take over. Mm-hmm. I mean, that it's in there. You can, you can find copies of the Jesuit oath. It's available for anybody that wants to find it. And they say they're going to infiltrate and take over everything. That's their whole goal. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing, of course. But whenever a president is elected or is put into place in America, they always meet with whoever the pope is. And knowing that even behind the scenes for years and years and years, the Jesuits have been pulling strings in the Vatican, the pope always meets with whoever is the president of the United States and other world leaders as well. This is big. And so they meet with him, and one of the big questions that comes into play is, if push came to shove, would you submit to Vatican law, Vatican authority, or would you submit to constitutional law and the constitutional authority in which you swore an oath to? So they're basically asking them, will you swear an oath to the Vatican and our order that will supersede the oath that you swore to the Constitution? And from my research, I've said this before, only two presidents have not submitted to the Vatican law, Abraham Lincoln and John F. Kennedy. They both denied the Vatican law. They said, nope, we've sworn an oath to the Constitution. Our loyalty lies with America. And the Vatican didn't like that. Interestingly, both of those presidents were assassinated. The only two who we have on record denying submission to Vatican law. The interesting part on that is the fact, too, that uh, John Kennedy was the first Catholic president to ever hold office. That is true. But going back to what we talked about earlier, not all Catholics follow the quote unquote Catholic religion. Mm-hmm. People are raised. We, we live in a culture today where people are raised and they say, well, I'm a Baptist. I'm a Methodist. I'm a Catholic. I'm a Jew. I'm a Muslim. But in our modern culture, those are titles. They don't they don't really mean anything. Um, many people profess this or profess that and don't really live up to it. 
They just say that that's what they've been raised as. They will always call themselves a Catholic or a Jew or a Muslim or, or what have you. Many people don't practice religion, but they still claim a religious title. So I think that's probably what was going on with John F. Kennedy. I can't really say for sure, but I, I've met many a Catholics who are not religious and they'll tell you, well, yeah, I mean, I believe, I, I believe that, you know, the Catholic is probably the, the right religion, but you know, I don't really follow it personally. So I think it's important to understand that many people are going to take on titles and that kind of moves us into the idea of uh, Tony Blair who converted to Catholicism. And many people speculate that Blair only converted publicly to Catholicism to further his roles with the European Union because the EU is controlled by the Jesuits. Going further, many people believe it's evident that the United Nations is controlled by the Jesuits. And UNESCO has a hand in these arches of triumph that they're putting up in, in different places. So we, we really have a lot of connections there. We don't have to look very far to see that. But I think that this, this coming election, if you want to call it an election <laughs> at this point, but I think this coming election is going to be very interesting, especially getting into the idea of Cain being Jesuitly trained. That's a big deal. He's already submitted to the Jesuits. He's made statements publicly in support of the Jesuit agenda. Uh, he's publicly made statements in support of homosexuality. And uh, I believe you said already abortion, Kay? Yes. Uh, he does it. He does not agree with abortion in his private life. But as far as the campaigning and his public life, he says that he does approve of abortion. Well, I was able to, to catch a little bit of the interview with uh, Timothy Alberino and uh, Fritz Springmeier. And uh, I forget which one of them said this. It was kind of interesting. I only heard about 15 to 20 minutes of the interview. But they mentioned that Cain has basically told his wife to go off and do what she wants to do in her sexual life. Yes, and they believe that there's a lot of ties showing that Cain is an effeminate man who does practice homosexuality. And Fritz Springmeier um, can't say that I agree with everything the guy says, but he has been a solid researcher on many things. I, I feel like I have found some flaws in some of his earlier statements about the bloodlines, um, but he still does put out a lot of very, very valuable and valid research. So the fact that they mentioned that in the interview kind of caught my attention. Um it would not surprise me because we know a lot of these secret societies do operate in homosexual ritual magic. So, again, not a surprise. Now, what are your what are your thoughts, Chad, as we kind of close up? What are your what are your, some of your possibly closing thoughts on this upcoming election and with Kane? If this is in fact the case that uh, they are staging a uh, Jesuit coup here in the United States to set it up for him to basically walk right into the White House. We're definitely in for some very interesting times ahead. Do you believe that's the case? I mean, is that is that your stance on the case, that he is going to be um, basically installed? Basically, he'll be a Vatican installment, um, and Hillary Clinton would be a carrier to get him into the White House? That, that very well may be the case. Very well may be it. What are your thoughts on that, Kay? I agree. I think that there's a strong possibility that Hillary is... The carrier, um, as you and Chad both know, and I'm sure others have heard me say, though, I still have my reservations as to whether there will even be an election. But I do believe that it's going to be a lot different if we do. This is going to be an unprecedented election. It's going to be something that we have never, ever seen in history before. And I strongly believe that if there is an election, Hillary will win. 
and then it won't be long and Kane will be in office. You know, we've seen some interesting things happen in the course of this election. We've seen even news companies, news agencies going out and filming some really strange witchcraft rituals uh, in support of Bernie Sanders. Uh, we've got the ritual that, that we've already covered tonight about the California ritual taking place uh, and Hillary winning the, the nominee for a Democratic Party. Um, I, I really think that there's probably some rituals going on involving the Jesuits behind the scenes if this really is the case. If, if they're setting him up to be a, a Vatican installment, basically, to be designated for the presidency, I, I just I have to think, and some people are going to say that I'm speculating here, but I really do think that if this is the case, there are some bigger rituals taking place behind the scenes, and it is quite possible that these rituals are involving the arches of triumph, which are being set up. That's kind of where I stand on this, and I, I just kind of want to move us back into that as we close out tonight. The arches of triumph, they're directly linked to Rome. I mean, that's that's their historical importance going back to Rome, Romans triumphing. So I think it's very possible that they are being put in place for the use of rituals leading up to the election where a Jesuit operative, I'll just say, not a, not an actual Jesuit, but an operative who's controlled by the Jesuits, who's trained by the Jesuits, would be installed as the vice president designated to be the next president when Hillary has problems. So that's kind of where I'm landing I feel like everything we've, we've covered tonight pushes up into that idea. The Jesuits are working on a giant consecration for this new world religion. And in doing that, you've got to have political and religious groups all coming together in this unity. In this unity so that there can be a reset. And the dawning of a new golden age. A new era in which man is controlled and governed by a new order. And this takes us back to the speeches of George Herbert Walker Bush talking about and explaining in depth the New World Order. I mean, literally, a New World Order calls for uh, anytime there's something new, you've got to destroy the old, especially when you're dealing with an order. So you're dealing with destroying the original order and you're starting a new order and you've got to have a world government, a world religion, world policy, world currency, and the list goes on. People hear New World Order, and it's kind of become one of those those terms that doesn't really spark up much interest anymore. It's kind of old. It doesn't have the same effect that it had back in the 90s. But I think that's part of their plan, is they want to condition us over the years so that we're pre-programmed to accept the new and to throw out the old. And we're seeing some of this take place in the current war on Christianity, because they're making out the values of Scripture to be hateful. So we've got to do away with these things that are getting in the way of their new order. If we can do away with these things, if we can destroy the walls between the religions, which Obama even said he stood in the same place where Hitler gave many speeches, and he specifically said on record, we are going to be tearing down the walls between Christianity, between Judaism and Islam. And people were cheering him on just like the Nazis cheered on Adolf Hitler. People don't realize, though, that in order to tear those walls down, it means that people will be tore down also. How do you think the quote-unquote extraterrestrial agenda is going to play into this, according to what the Vatican and the Pope is already doing? Wow. I think that they're going to say that to give them more credibility 
because they can say that while well, other government powers have known this for decades and didn't release it, but because we are such good followers of Christ, we feel that we can't lie to you anymore. And they're going to present it as if the aliens are really extraterrestrial instead of demons interdimensional. But I think it's going to play a big role in it because it'll make the Catholic Church look again, the Pope, like he has the supreme power to do this. I mean, do we honestly even know if the Antichrist is actually going to be a man? I mean, I've I've said it before. I believe the Antichrist is going to be a hybrid, some type of a hybrid. And the more I study, I do believe it's going to be a revived Nimrod. You know, that's the thing is he could actually come down with these aliens or supposed aliens. And that, that could be very well how he comes onto the scene. It says so in the Bible that. The number of 666, and it is the number of a man. But if he's a hybrid man, and he's already in league with these supposed aliens, that's the thing, is he could actually come down. That's what I'm asking. What do you think? You really can't understand a lot of what's going on until you understand the implications of the hollow earth and what's going on inside the earth. But a lot of these alien abductions that have taken place, what do we see? We see these UFOs coming up and then going back down into the earth. So some people believe that the alien abductions are dealing with space, but I think that a lot, I know for a fact, many on record abduction cases are the the UFOs going back down into a subterranean realm. So I think that there is, I think that even if the quote unquote alien savior, which I still think he's not, I still think that there's going to be human DNA involved. I think he's going to be, he'll be some type of a human bloodline but he'll be a nephilim bloodline he'll be part human part fallen angel and i think in this situation i believe that even if it comes up from the earth it will still give an appearance of coming down from the sky exactly and that's what i was getting at all the cultures of the world have documented i can't say all but most of them have documented a coming savior who's going to come up from inside the earth from one of these subterranean cavernous mystical worlds that they call them But they believe that he's going to arise from the earth. So I think both of them could happen. I think that either way, it could give an appearance of both. I don't know. We're getting into some areas where it's going to be hard to really put our finger on it without speculating too much. But many people believe there's going to be an arrival in the clouds trying to emulate Christ's return. But it's a false Christ. And then others believe that the the cultures of the world believe that, that the spirit of this man or whatever you want to call it is going to come up from inside the earth. So I think that... There's going to be a very well-strategized plan that's going to be implemented in these days. And I think that's what we're seeing right now as we're being conditioned by the Vatican for these extraterrestrials. I mean, it's not an accident that the Vatican is monitoring what they call exo-worlds with the Lucifer Telescope right there on Mount Graham. Which, for people who don't know about Mount Graham, I mean, it's, what, one of the four holiest mountains in the world? Yeah, that's correct. And uh, also... What was it? Uh, Father Malachi, who was the head exorcist uh, for the Vatican, he was the one that actually went on Art Bell's show. And during an interview with Art Bell, you know, he actually said, you know, he asked him, he said, what, what are they looking at out in space? And the reply that he got was, well, they are watching what is approaching the Earth. And we know that the Vatican has started to subscribe over the years to the teachings of Zechariah Sitchin. Oh, yeah. In fact, the Vatican was actually in contact with Sitchin. That uh, the one of the gentlemen, he was actually traveling back and forth, taking, you know, 
it, it never said what it was. He was just basically taking like a box back and forth that was locked and bringing items from the Vatican for Stitchin to look at, investigate, and then take it back. And in fact, he even went so far as to say that one night an Anunnaki appeared to him uh, on his bed. No, Stitchin also has had a lot of very interesting things. Um, you know, I, I mean, while I don't agree with his interpretation, because, I, you know, I'll agree with uh, Steve Quell and Timothy Alberino, hands down. They made a very powerful point. I don't want to give away a whole lot of their film because their film is probably one of the best documentaries that is out right now. True Legends Volume 2, uh, The Unholy Sea. If you haven't seen it, it is worth seeing. You can rent it online. Uh, you know, we don't get any sponsorships from anybody. We're just telling you this is a film that is imperative. It's got so much solid information in it. Yeah, it's a must, must watch and must own. But they made the statement in the film that Sitchin was so close but so far away because he was right about so many things, but his view of those things was totally unbiblical and totally new age. But, you know, Sitchin believed that Lucifer was one of the Anunnaki, which that's not far from what we believe. I mean, we believe that Lucifer was the chief fallen angel. He was the original liar, the original sinner, the original rebel who took with him a third of the stars, a third of the angels. And so he believed that Lucifer is residing in the earth right now, which lines right up with the passages we see in Job. But Sitchin really had a lot of insight. He was just bringing it from a new age perspective. And I think it's really important to understand that's what's going on right now with the Vatican. They're bringing a lot of insight into these things, but they are taking the satanic side of the perspective. They're falling into the deception and they're proliferating the deception. And by bringing this alien deception, I think it's all going to play together in the bringing together of the end times one world religion, which, again, it's all funneling through the hands of the Jesuits. They've invested more money into this Lucifer telescope than anybody could humanly get their hands on. They had to fight to get their hands on Mount Graham. And we even have the Jesuits going into the area. The Jesuits, they were involved in Mount Graham. They were learning about Mount Graham. They were dealing with the natives. They were learning the history when they were deciding on the mountain to put up their observatory. That's from the information that I found. So a lot of crazy stuff going on there. But the Jesuits do not just have like one little grip on this little area of the world. They are having they are putting their hand upon all these major sites around the world and they are bringing everything together under their rule. And they're trying to. And they, I believe they will be successful. In the fullness of time of scripture, when the Lord finally allows these things to fully manifest and take control I believe the Jesuits are going to be one of the major players in this event. Closing thoughts, guys. I know we're, we're out of time. We, we were a little short tonight on time because of some scheduling. Uh, goodness, we've, we all have so much going on. Closing thoughts. We need to stay vigilant in prayer because there are so many things that are happening. Listen to the news, but don't stick with the mainstream. Go to the fringe. Because you're going to find out so much more like Justin with the fourth watch and with Chad and I on deception detection. So stay vigilant in prayer. Pray for discernment. And God's going to get us through this. Amen. Amen. Uh, interesting times ahead. That's uh, all I'm going to leave it with at that. A lot going on right now. we got to stay vigilant. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry we couldn't go deeper into some of these issues. We are limited on time tonight. But uh, I hope we've at least brought up some things and connected some dots for you to go further and look into these things for yourselves. Lots going on. Stay vigilant. Stay in the word of God. And uh, guys, thanks so much for coming on the fourth watch tonight. And uh, God bless you all. And we will talk soon. Well, that was an interesting discussion. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. 
As most of you know, we usually have a Bible study segment following the discussion each week. This has been an extremely busy week for me as I'm working on a few projects and I had some extra validation to do with some of the topics tonight. Unfortunately, I didn't have the time to finish the expository Bible study segment for this week. But we will definitely be starting James chapter 3 very soon. Many great things are on the horizon for the fourth watch and Lord willing, we will be breaking out a huge announcement very soon. Also, Lord willing, we'll be releasing a video breaking down Project Bluebeam and the latest hologram touch technology and how it's all working together and the political deception. So definitely keep an eye on the Justin Fall YouTube channel as well as my Facebook. Now, in closing, I need to say something that's of major importance. Discussions like the one we had tonight are extremely disheartening and oftentimes leave people with mixed emotions. I get it. We're human. But no matter what is going on, no matter how bad things get, we cannot lose our focus and stop fighting the war in prayer and in proclamation of the truth. In Christ Jesus, we cannot fear the temporal world. 2 Timothy 1.7 declares that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So rather than allowing any increment of fear to creep into our lives, we are to radiate and hold fast to the power and love of our God, made available only through Jesus Christ Yeshua and His ultimate sacrifice. As followers of Christ, we are sealed with His Holy Spirit, which is also sent from the Father as our Comforter, John 14, 26. Going even further, we head back to the prophet Isaiah. We learn something so rich about our heritage as servants of the Lord. In Isaiah 54, 17, the Lord declares, that no weapon that is formed against us shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against us in judgment, we shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no weapon that can rise up against us and succeed in the big picture. And when words raise up against us in judgment for serving God, we have the power to condemn those false judgments and to brush them off like worthless dust. The Lord actually said that. And if we are truly servants of God through Jesus Christ, we can hold on to that in these strange and uncertain times. The days upon us are inarguably uncertain in worldly terms, but our certainty does not come from the circumstances. Our certainty comes directly from the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word, and His promises. I encourage you, brothers and sisters, to go in peace and be comforted and encouraged knowing that we are on the winning side in the family of God. If you're not a born-again follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, stay tuned, and I'll share with you shortly how this can be your day of salvation. Until the next time we meet again, God bless and good night. If you're listening right now and you haven't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ Yeshua as your personal Lord and Savior, and you haven't accepted His holy sacrifice on the cross to pay for your sins, it is absolutely impossible for you to have a solid understanding of His Word. It's also impossible to find protection from the demonic realm and the days that are fast approaching, friends. And furthermore, it is impossible for you to have peace with Yahweh, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's the good news. You can start anew right now. You can repent of your sins 
and you can have the wages of your sins paid in full. Now is the time to repent and turn away from your sins and make right with the will of God. The Bible actually declares that we don't know what tomorrow holds, so we must take action with the time that we have right now. Repentance is the first step, regardless of what you may have heard. This means turning 180 degrees from your past thoughts, actions, and lifestyles that are in opposition to the Most High God. Understand that repentance is a process, and it is absolutely attainable because of the grace and mercy and power of God. Because of Jesus Christ and His once and for all sacrifice, you can be forgiven of all of your iniquity and every sin you've ever committed. Yahweh is a jealous God, but He is also rich in mercy. And tonight, if you're willing to admit your wrongs and repent, He is willing to meet you right where you are, and He will show you that mercy right now, friends. The wages of our sin is death, but tonight we can receive the gift of God, which is eternal life, but only through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. I am so thankful that God sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, a living sacrifice, who shed His sinless and perfect blood to pay the debt of our sins, which offers us the ability to be seen as blameless before God on that day of judgment. And make no mistake, there will come a day of judgment, ladies and gentlemen. Let today be the beginning of your communion and peace with God as you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you can begin putting on the armor of God and growing in an intimate relationship with Him. It is the will of God that you don't perish, but rather that you repent and enter into a relationship with Him based on His terms. If you're not sure of what God's terms are, I want to challenge you to start reading your Bibles and learn firsthand what God expects from you. If you don't have a Bible, we highly recommend that you pick up a King James Bible, which is easy for anyone to find. Jesus Christ is our only hope, friends, and my prayer is that you believe on Him tonight. That's the most important part of the show, and by far the most important decision you will ever have to make in this life. Amen. It's been an interesting adventure tonight, and I sure hope you've all enjoyed this broadcast. If you ever miss a show or would like to go back and re-listen to an old one, every show is archived on our website, fourthwatchradio.com, all spelled out, F-O-U-R-T-H-W-A-T-C-H-R-A-D-I-O.com, fourthwatchradio.com. There you'll find links to multiple streaming options, and every broadcast is dated and summarized for your convenience. Everything we offer is completely free, including our mobile apps for Apple and Android devices. You can easily click the link on the website to be taken to whichever app store applies to your device. Be sure to stay tuned in every Thursday for all the latest shows. Like us on Facebook, and feel free to add my personal page as well. If the Fourth Watch is ministered to you, and you would like to help support this ministry, you can follow the donate link on our website. I bid you all a week filled with grace and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll see you all next week. God bless and good night. You're listening to The Fourth Watch with Justin Fall on the Fourth Watch Radio Network.